0: Live from the Battle Born Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. <laughs> we
1: Justin Watkins will be uh, up in just a little bit. He is our ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider. Busy show today, busy show today. Some great conversations uh, on the way. Can't wait to talk to Coach Joe, College Basketball Insider, see if he has any of the inside dope on what's going on at Arizona. And that's going to be our top story today is Sean Miller is out. That's coming up in about five minutes. Will Ramirez is going to join us a little later in the hour because we got to cover a lot of the local basketball stories. Uh, the season just closed around college basketball, and there were you know a lot of local ties with uh, Gonzaga and especially Arizona. So, Von Tobel's here. What's up,
2: John? Feeling good, man. Feeling fired up and ready to go. It's Masters week. Then that's about it.
1: Hold your excitement on the Masters. I know that's coming up. You're going to freaking rage in the five o'clock hour. Are you doing okay today? You have a you have a marathon day today. Tonight you're on uh, V Sin from what seven to ten. Seven to ten. Look so at you.
2: Second, I get done here, sprinted down to circa. Damn, it was writing all morning. You gonna be okay? You rested? You fired up? I'm good. It's one of those where it's like. I'm kind of on autopilot. Like, I just know where I need to go, the times that I need to go. I've made the adjustments to my schedule necessary. Let's do it. Ari's going to help us out today.
1: Okay. He's going to be a big gonna, help in the show. He's going to drive no, me down. down. No, no, I, sw- I swear. <laughs> I swear. Uh, so we got the news. We got some more updates or more info on Tiger Woods and the accident. Mm-hmm. What do we hear? Uh, Los
2: Angeles County Sheriff's Office said today that the crash was caused by excessive speed. Woods SUV, according to this report from ESPN, was traveling from 84 to 87 miles an hour on a downhill stretch of road outside Los Angeles at a speed limit of 45. He was going 75 when he hit a tree. No traffic citations, uh, which is some of the important stuff. Uh, obviously, authorities saying that there was no evidence of impairment or distracted driving. Also very important, uh, given you know the conversation around Tiger Woods and his past and everything about the conversation when this initially happened. So he was kind of driving like a jerk, from what you can kind of tell. How does that make you feel? I mean, unsafe driving is unsafe driving, and, you know, that's something that you probably shouldn't be doing, especially when if you go back and read certain reports, right? Remember when he first got in the accident, it was, this is a dangerous stretch of road that is known to have accidents. Probably shouldn't be driving 80-ish miles an hour in a 45, and that's kind of irresponsible. But I know what the larger conversation around Tiger Woods was when this first initially happened. And, you know, I think some people will take this as, okay, we can kind of point the finger and blame him. I just kind of stand where I was when it initially happened was you don't want to see anybody get hurt.
1: Right. Whether it's tiger or not. You know? uh, but I, I think there are a lot of people, I don't think they're going to say they'd want to see tiger woods get hurt. But when I think, you know, when they hear this, they're already predisposed to not like tiger. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to shrug their shoulders and go, Oh, well you did it to yourself. Um, now I assume there'll also be people who will pull a dusty Baker on guys like you who are just giving out the information and say, Oh, you've never driven recklessly. Right. Are you judging? Which, by the way, we'll get to Dusty. Every day is a Dusty day now that the Astros are having to face fans, and uh, Dusty is—I—I—it's—it's it's bizarre. I'll just say that it's it bizarre. But you know what? It's uh, what we've been going through as a society for like the last five years with a lack of accountability from people who ask for accountability, and then when they're called on the carpet, like Dusty Baker, they go to one of my favorite new terms: "What aboutism."
2: yeah oh
1: us what about you right no this ain't about me if you got dirt on me then bring it forward this is about you you don't get to freaking project it back on people all right big story of the day i think is arizona another blue blood job that's a great job the arizona basketball job the men's basketball job is a freaking monster job and this is not a shock the timing of it's very weird. Arizona stuck with Sean Miller for a long, long, long time. We still don't have the final verdict on all these schools that got caught in the FBI net, but Arizona got caught the worst. Uh, they had you know, one of the coaches along with LSU and Will Wade where they, they got him on the phone uh, being pretty suggestive with their language and talking about acquiring players for money. So Miller's gone. He's gone. You're not shocked, right? I mean, this – oh, no. I, get, you know, I guess in some ways some people could say, like, yeah, you know what? I am shocked. I thought he had weathered the storm, and this is big-time college
2: basketball, and they just don't care. I mean, I, I guess that could be the mentality. To me, the more shocking – if and that's just if you want to use that term – the more shocking aspect of this is the one that you brought up. You know, you had the postseason ban this year. You kind of saw the writing on the wall. Like, what changed today, yesterday, the day before – as opposed to when your season ended however many months ago is it at this point now, right? Like, why do that now? Well, when you read the report, there's indications that they already have a candidate in mind to replace him. Uh, So if that's going to be the case and there's mutual interest, then I guess you're fine, right? If the guy you want wants you and you don't have to really worry about a a coaching search. But the timing is more surprising to me than anything.
1: Information becomes uh, more readily available behind the scenes, too. You know, they, they may the handwriting may be on the wall. Like, this is your... He's going or the program is going to get slammed further. Uh, you may want to get rid of him to clean things up as early as possible and try to ask for some leniency like, hey, we got rid of the cancer. Well,
0: then we got rid of the good. guy who was
1: doing it. We already, the, the the assistant coach, Book Richardson, already got caught in the FBI net. So he's gone. Yeah. You got to get rid of the other guy. So that would mean that that developed
2: though recently then, right? Like behind the scenes, that something is potentially coming for
1: them. That El Slamo could be on the way and right. you self-imposed, right? Trying to do Set the slap on the wrist. wrist. Your self-imposed slap on the wrist. That was a timeout signal. Was like, okay. <laughs> Ain't going to cut it. So this is a big-time job. Um, and we'll, we'll get into uh, – you haven't heard the details of what Sean Miller was up to in Book Richardson. I mean, it's – do I believe that Arizona was doing something that, uh, I don't know, 15 or 20 other programs have been doing the last 20 years? Yeah. But you got caught. I mean, it kind of goes to the Astros thing we've been talking about the last couple of days again, where other people stealing signs. Uh, having a communication system probably, but you got caught, you know, are there people who commit crimes in general society? Yeah. Lots of them. Sometimes they don't get caught until they're like 10 deep. Sometimes you get caught when you're one in, I'm not comparing cheating in college basketball to some right. you know, serious crime, but you got caught. You got to pay the price. Can't do the water baptism What about them? What about that? You got caught.
2: So your coach was in the net. He's gone. Really quickly. So if we're assuming that something came down, again, going back to our conversation that something potentially is going to happen with Arizona. Is this job that good?
1: Uh, it may not be great in the short term, but yeah, it's still an awesome job because as you see uh, the programs that have been dinged recently, you really don't get pounded that much. Yeah. And within a year and a half, yeah, the job is a very good job again, because everything's still in place. Do you think, do you truly believe, uh, Unless it's something just horrific, go back to you know SMU football getting the death penalty or Baylor, you know having to start from square one when Scott Drew mm-hmm. first got on board some 18 years ago. Uh, the NCAA also just doesn't do that. They did it more, more most recently to UC, uh, USC, right? Mm-hmm. They tried to do it to Penn State, but they were pansies and they backed off that one. I mean, most of these jobs, it, yeah, it's going to be tough for a year, a year and a so, half. Yeah. But everything that puts you in the place one to get caught, but two to be successful, is still in place. Do you, you think people actually stop? Do you think the people around the program, the people who work to make sure that the Arizonas of the world are good, do you think they actually stop what they were
2: doing? They're like, we just have to get better and not getting caught. But everything's still there. All right. That makes sense. Because, I mean, like Tommy Lloyd is, you know, Gonzaga assistant coach is rumored to be the guy that they want. And that to me, like when we talk about the quality of the job, I would assume that if you're Lloyd, not a pick, you know, of what you want, but... Would you want to take the chance going to a program that could potentially be on a downswing for a couple of years? But well, regardless, you, you, you
1: would, would assume go he's going to get a five-year deal or a six-year deal with a right. massive buyout, and there there shouldn't be a hey, they're three years in and they're not all the way back right. pressure. They're going to give him time. When I mean, he's going to have to win eventually, if that's the guy, so that that could be the guy, huh? yeah, yeah. That was interesting.
2: A, one potential replacement from buzzing Gin- in recent days, according to ESPN,
1: cleaning things up with an assistant from Gonzaga. Okay. Interesting,
2: that, that mid major, that plucky mid major,
1: clean mid major, yeah. clean. That's an important yeah. part. Clean. <laughs> yeah, they do it the right way. Of course they do. Because mm-hmm. I started thinking today, I'm like, wow. If you, if you wanted to go with a really interesting idea, and we always have this discussion here in Vegas around the UNLV job, where people are asking for, you know, one of our own, mm-hmm. right? Hey, Stacy Ogman. In this case, Kevin Kruger, one of our own. He's taken over. You know, Jason Terry is an assistant on the staff, former NBA player who's just out of the NBA. He doesn't have a lot of experience, but I thought that would be kind
2: of interesting. Who knows? Maybe he stays on the staff. I mean, I again, like the way you handle different things when building uh, right a staff around your basketball program. Former players, Jawan Howard has done a very good job. Phil Martelli was hell of a right. get. Yeah, exactly. Right, experienced
1: head coach, and he's done a good job. And you know, they both recruit well. And Jason Terry is a more recent name that helps you in
2: recruiting, like. The,
1: it wouldn't be the worst idea ever. Hey, we've had Jason on. He can lead a program. Right. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, if he shows that you know he can do everything a coach needs to do, that he'll be, he'll be running a program at some point. So this has been an incredible offseason. And this is also why when I pitch to people, hey, UNLV can come back in the basketball world, the possibility of mid-majors competing for national titles, for more teams out there to compete and compete at a high level in the NCAA tournament, it's coming. It's not going backwards. The Blue Bloods are not coming back in droves where you feel like only seven programs can win. Players are everywhere now. They won't stay at the big programs very long if they're not playing in the first and second year. And the other thing, and this is what I pitch for college football, John, there is a transition. When when the greats of the game at the coaching slots, when there's like seven of them, and within a three-year period, they all leave, you think the programs go seven for seven and pick in their next coach and just immediately move you know, up, Onward and upward. Right. We'll see. I don't know if Hubert Davis is going to do a great job in North Carolina. I have no idea who's going to take over for Coach K. That could be a disaster for a little while. They take a couple of steps back. Who knows You know how much longer Bayheim's going to do it. He's definitely doing it for one more year because they're out there doing what they need to do, getting players, right? But there's going to be a passing of the guard with like six or seven programs, and now you've got Arizona. Sean Miller's a younger guy, but because of what they were doing, now you've got a passing of the guard. And the next guy, it maybe it is a disaster. Maybe they are a 500 program for five years. So I'm not I'm certainly not trying to paint like a rosy picture based on a cheating scandal and a coach losing his job. But things are happening around college basketball. Hey, even Lon Kruger, good guy, right? Did it the right way in Oklahoma. I don't know if Porter Moser is going to be good. Right. Mm-hmm. So with all this change means there's going to be a lot of upheaval and the chance for a lot of upper mobility for the teams at the bottom of the power five
2: conferences and also a lot of mid majors. I mean, I, I thought that the second that I saw Roy was gone. personally just like you don't know we you know we've talked about this all the time whether it's playoff runs or you can just frame it in the context of building a program that has been a powerhouse you have no idea when you get back to that point especially when you make that shift at the top and that's and that got me thinking about that like you know to me at least in my formative years North Carolina basketball has always been a thing for the most part they've been extremely good they've been a powerhouse but you've slowly started to see that decline and now Roy is gone and who knows what they become going forward.
1: Nothing's so, right. guaranteed, in, in, especially in college athletics. Look at some of the legacy programs up until the 90s mm-hmm. in college football, and some of them are still fighting 20 years later to get back to a level where they can win 9, 10 games and actually compete for a national championship. Programs like Nebraska, I don't know if they're ever going to be back. It's now they, they, think, they think they're, they're going to be back, and it's that easy, but now you've got like 20 years of proof. It just ain't that easy.
0: Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Battleborne Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. So Wednesday on Cofield and Company, lots
1: to get to. You know, middle of the week generally is a good time to talk baseball because the weekends get crazy with uh, whatever playoff action in the NHL and NBA that's coming up. But uh, we got some time for baseball today, and man, a lot of the same issues are popping up. And Willie Ramirez is with us from the AP, and Willie's got a great series going on where he's uh, talking a lot of baseball this month. We're going to go through the three different elements that he's put together, great interviews that he's done. But I got to ask you, Willie, you're you know you're about my age, and uh, listen, I don't want to come off here as some kind of tough guy who's out there you know fighting in the streets, but I do think in baseball there does have to be uh, some leeway on payback, and it's an aggressive sport, and you got to police the plate. And again, baseball I think is missing the mark with this Castellanos thing that came down. Started last week, came down this week with a two-game suspension. I I don't get it. Uh, you know, if players can't protect themselves at all, or you know, in that case, I guess you would call it showboating or taunting. Uh, these aren't like 14-year-old high school athletes; they're adults. What is baseball doing? Do you like this? Uh, are, are you worried in baseball that things are going to get out of control if we have some taunting or payback?
3: You and I come from a time where uh, we were used to uh, Pete Rose just trucking people over at home plate, right, or, or anywhere on the baseball. Charlie Hustle. I mean, um, it, it, I saw that. I saw when he got up and flex, and I just I, I loved it. Like I, I loved the energy this was before the suspension when I saw everything that had taken place, you know, you see the highlights and the go on Twitter and you're seeing all the video clips. It's almost immediate these days. Um, And I loved it. I was fired up. I was like, "All right, the season's here. Let's go. And then I heard there was a suspension and I'm thinking, wow, you know, all these decisions that are being made. And I, and I'm, I'm a very non-political guy. I know, you know, you guys talk a lot of politics. I'm I'm just very not political, but you know, with the decision, with the all-star game, I get all that but the irony of that decision i just found hilarious because it came from a state where uh what atlanta's nickname's name uh you know what's what's their nickname the Braves there's so much contradiction with what's going on when you when you hear discipline and how they're handing this out in suspensions and i really don't know the direction
1: let's get into vegas's connection to major league baseball and we'll talk now and then we'll get to Going back in history, we have a rich history here in Vegas, and Willie's doing these monthly series, really taking a deep dive look at Vegas and sports and how the town has grown over the years. And uh, let's start talking about the latest great prospect who just came out of UNLV with the Phillies from UNLV.
3: Bryson Stott, yeah, he uh, got drafted two years ago, um, went to Desert Oasis, and then and then of course UNLV and. Um, you know, it was it was really labeled as as could he be the next great, you know, Chris Bryant or Bryce Harper, and they really immediately threw his name up there. And the funny thing is, is I remember when those guys were coming out, and I remember when Chris was played a bonanza, um, and and Bryce, of course, you know, graduated early to go to CSN. The um, <clears throat> the um, the hype behind the, the 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 player Bryce and Stott, I don't think people really appreciated. The person that Bryson Stott was at the time, I had written a story for the Associated Press behind those lines, and they really wanted me to sort of bite down hard on that. So there was a bit of a a hook to get the readers in. But the story about Bryson is so much more about the character that he brings off the field that makes him a better player, that he's coachable. That he's he's somewhat humble. That he understands his role. That he understands what it takes to improve. He understands the work ethic behind perfecting the craft. And he's never really gotten a big head. Um, you know, the, he's he's a great kid. And and it really starts at home. He you know he he mentioned to me uh, last week when I talked to him on a Zoom session that the pandemic last year when he got to come home like. There was no dwelling over baseball. There was more of a celebration of the first time in this kid's year since maturing as a baseball player from, you know, getting to the age when he could play scout teams and and he was in high school that he could celebrate a baseball season with his family and be with his mom and be with his sister and be with his brother and hang out and do family things because at that time of the year, March, April, May, June, July – he's always gone he's, he was always traveling he was always you know he's home playing but he's on the road with Scout teams he's on the road with Legion he's on the road with do when he was in high school he's on the road with UNLV so he sort of cherished that and that's the type of character you get when I interviewed Greg Maddox a couple years ago for that story he had said the best thing about Bryson is that he he just doesn't you know he he knows he's a great player, but he doesn't wear it on his sleeve and he's he's uh, he's got all the tools, he's got all the makings, and he just continues to chip away at each talent and improve. He he's diversified in in, in, in where he can play. So, you know, I think I think the level headed kid in him is really what is carrying him more than the talent itself. So um, I'm looking forward to his growth and his progress. I'm looking forward to seeing where they place him. He told me, he said, I don't know. You know, I asked him, I said, Bryson, can you let us in? I don't want you to jinx yourself. Do you do you have an idea of where you're going this year? High A, low A? And he said, you know what, Willie? It's on me. It's it's, it's on me. I, I just spent spring training with the big league club before they left for Philly in Clearwater, and I felt that I did my part. Now it's on me to go and prove what I can do in minor league spring training, and it's on me to land as high as I can go. So... I'm hoping he gets to double a and just continues to climb. And who knows what will happen later in the season? I mean, you know, when you're right hand man and you're close with Bryce Harper, it, 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 somewhat helps, but the kid proves himself on his own day in and day out.
1: Uh, where can people find the series?
3: Uh, it's going to be uh WG Ramirez.com. This month's series is, uh, the boys of summer. As you mentioned, every month I try to do a different series and the personal side of, of things I, I try to tie in, which we'll talk about later. Um, I try to tie in a bit of old Vegas, but the uh, WG Ramirez.com. And there will be a story on Bryson Stott. There'll be a localized story and there'll be a personal story, which uh, we can talk about later.
1: So buddy, Willie Ramirez here on Cofield and company on this Wednesday. Uh, this has become a pretty rich basketball city. I mean, it's always been a basketball city because of UNLV and the success in the seventies, eighties and nineties. But in terms of prospects coming out of Vegas, it's getting pretty good here. And, Julian Strother is one of the latest guys. We didn't get to see him a lot in action in the tournament with Gonzaga, but, hey, the guy just won a national title. Uh, check that. He came up short of a national title. See, I already had <laughs> Gonzaga winning the national title. He came up just short. Um, you know what stuck in my head is we've had so many discussions from yesterday that Gonzaga will be back and Gonzaga will compete for a national title uh, the next couple yeah. of years, and, and Strother is a big part of it. Or is he? Do you have any indication that, hey, he, would there be any reason he would leave Gonzaga? We've got so many guys who are freshmen and sophomores who are like, hey, you know what? I didn't get to play. I don't know if I'm going to play. They could recruit around me, over me, transfer portal guys. Uh, what do you think he's going to do with his future? You know the family well. You've talked to them a lot.
3: Yeah, Lee called me from the airport. Lee is uh, Julian's father. He called me from the airport in Indianapolis and uh, right before they boarded because I, I didn't bother him Monday night. I knew his phone was probably blowing up. So Tuesday at some point, I just text him. I said, hey, you all good? The question mark, I knew him and Paris and Paige and, and uh, his grandson, uh, Julian's nephew, Ace. They all flew out there for the Final Four. So I'm um, just checking in with them. And he, and he eventually called me direct and just – he was at the airport. And he was like, yeah, it was just rough night, he said. But for the first time since they had gotten there, after the game, they, they were all – they went to a convention center and they were in a big ballroom so they could separate the families and, and sort of visit with the players for the first time. And um, few pulled him aside, Mark few pulled Lee aside and let him know. He said, Hey, you know um, I appreciate your son's patience. And, and, you know, you know, it, it's hard to argue playing time when you are the backup for Kispert. Right. I mean, this, you know, how much can you bench that kid? Um, but he told him. he said, you know, Kispert's moving on and this is Julian's time to shine. It's up to him to, you know, I already know what he can do. It's just a matter of him putting – we just talked about Bryson Stott doing everything with the right mindset. Julian's the same type of character, you know, very humble, very quiet, but you get on the court and it's time to go to work. And he's the same type of kid. I don't think there's any reason for him to leave. Um, there's no threat in him not progressing in terms of minutes played and the potential of him becoming a star at Gonzaga. Um, Mark Few's a guy who, who, who for the most part – Cultivates players and and promotes the the longevity in a college career, and that's why they chose Gonzaga. So, uh, you know, I can't imagine that they would leave and and you know transfer and you know if there was going to be any one place that he would consider, and, and obviously it would be to come home and and play for Kevin Kruger. But that that consideration is is I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure is not taking place because they're not unhappy. They understand the minutes played. Uh, For me personally, you know, taking my friend hat off and knowing Julian (laughs) since he was born um, and looking at it from a journalistic standpoint, I can tell you that I I looked at the game, I analyzed the game, I handicapped the game. Um, I I, I felt like Mark Few got outcoached once again and for the second time in in the national championship game. I I looked back at the game against North Carolina that they lost and, you know, the, the reserves were used well. The minutes were spread out, you know. At one point I looked at Mark Few's reserves on Monday night and they had played six and seven minutes and the other guys were inflated. You look at Baylor, they were spread out and that's what killed them was that depth. I'm not saying it could have made a difference and I'm not saying they needed to play Julian Strother, but but over the course of this season, Mark Few used five guys off that bench on a regular basis that averaged Six, seven, ten, nine, eight, whatever, at some point. Yep. And I just felt that, that that was the difference where you didn't use your bench enough to the tournament as you grew on. Against UCLA, same thing. Two guys, and I think that they played six and seven minutes in the in the semifinal. And I thought that he could have u- utilized them better. It may have helped, but...
1: It's the voice of Willie Ramirez from the AP. We're talking a little baseball with his monthly series. Uh, we're going to talk more about that on the way back. And also, women's basketball it was a big weekend for the female side and uh willie got to see stanford up close here in town and uh you know you got some locals in the final four so we'll get to that coming up on cofield and company
0: join the conversation on twitter at cofield and co <laughs> hanging at the Battleborn broadcast center it's cofield and company
1: Just getting started here on a Wednesday. Willie Ramirez is in with us as uh, we're talking college basketball, talking a little local baseball as well with the ties to the major leagues. Uh, Willie's very tied in with women's basketball, and he goes back as a historian, a Vegas historian, uh, pretty far ways back. Um, Let's talk about what you saw in the Final Four in the tournament. Obviously, UConn going down was a gigantic moment, Arizona achieving that was awesome. Arizona's got Vegas ties. We can get to that in a second. But you got to see Stanford in what was one of the craziest seasons ever. They wound up winning the national championship. And, listen, they weren't as bad as, like, the New Mexico men, but they were road warriors most of the season. And, and, you know, right before the break, we were just talking about what Gonzaga and Baylor achieved and that teams in the past didn't have to go through three-week lockdowns and, you know, COVID periods. And so that was a lot to overcome and keep a team together. But the Stanford women – This was quite the battle to get to the tournament and then eventually win a national championship.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a team that was basically kicked out of their city. You know, find a place to play or don't play. And, you know, they didn't know where they were going to go. And, you know, fortunately for uh, Tara Vanderveer, her former assistant and former player, happens to be UNLV Lady Rebels coach Lindy LaRock. And they were like, by all means, come down, use the facilities, whatever we can do to help. They scheduled a game. Stanford played one game. And I can't think of who it was. I think it was against Cal Poly. And then their second game of the season was against UNLV at the Thomas and Mac. I got to cover that game. And I want to say Tara moved within one game of Pat Summit. And I was so hoping that Stanford was going to get to play a couple of more games. And I would have got to cover the game in which she broke Pat so much record because that would have been sort of fun to write about. Um, But um, yeah, they didn't know what they were going to do. And they were living out of suitcases and, and hotels and, and and traveling and couldn't go back to, to campus. And the, and so that's rough. No matter how good you are and how much of a Hall of Fame coach, these are still 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old women that, you know, that are living out of hotels. And that's tough. So, you know, and you're an athlete as well. So you've got to remember training and muscle recovery and you know, being able to have a trainer's room and getting your ankles wrapped and maybe getting the, the right treatment, the right stem, the right massage therapy, cupping, whatever it may be. It's just not part of the norm and you don't have that. And Stanford endured that for over two months, you know, so to overcome what they overcame was quite impressive. Um, and then to see them back at the Pac-12 tournament, you know, and watching them the way that they played, um, you know, for a few days, I, I don't know. I'm sure that somebody's done it, so I'm, I'm, I don't want to sit here and state claim to being the first or the only one this year or something to that effect, but I'm sure that at some point teams are rolling through towns and and they hit the same towns, but I just thought it was kind of cool for a freelance AP reporter in Las Vegas where none of the teams are from – Right that I got to cover Baylor and Stanford and they both won the national championship, you know, and and wrote stories on them for the Associated Press. I sort of took pride in that. I looked back and it didn't dawn on me until after Baylor beat Kentucky. I was like, "Hey, wait a minute. I got pictures of me on press row from doing, you know, from covering both. So that was kind of cool, but yeah, it was uh, you know, just the the excitement behind women's basketball should be at a, at a at a high right now. You know what I mean? That's it's 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 such a great brand of basketball. The the women play with so much heart and so much passion. I enjoy why, as you mentioned, you know, the WNBA being here in Las Vegas. It's funny because that championship game, the Pac-12 championship, I'm walking back to my uh, to my press seat in through the tunnel, and who's walking in front of me? Mark Davis, the new owner of the Las Vegas Aces. Yeah. And so we, we caught up for a minute, and he turned around, and we're BSing. <laughs> and I says, he says to me, hey, I'm here scouting. He was excited because, as you know, he, he sits front row, to the Las Vegas a- Aces, he sits. You know, he he had that uh, for the first few seasons, and once the Raiders announced that they were coming here, he was always right in front. So he was a big fan, and he was out there watching. And it was, uh, of course, I was getting uh, direct messages from some reporting buddies going. Keep an eye on Russell Wilson and Mark <laughs> Davis if they make a if they make a move to right, to the bathroom at the same time or something right, like that. But yeah. it was, they were on opposite ends of the of the arena, so that was kind of funny. But yeah, it was it, it was a hype crowd at the Bandolay Bay for the Pac twelve championship. And as you saw throughout the tournament, it was a very hype crowd. Uh, got to watch Arizona several times and uh, through that tournament, and then again in the national championship with with a with a local lady who decided to go back for another year.
1: Yeah, talk about those ties.
3: Sam Thomas, he, uh, you know, uh, there was a great series that um, I want to say it was Jason Orts, I think, wrote that story in the Review Journal. I um, mean, you can Google that. It was either him or Sam Gordon. I think it was Jason, though, but um, the two Thomas sisters, Bailey and Jade over at UNLV, and then Sam, um, Dad, Derek, great family. I mean, just outstanding family. Uh, Sam was the Scholar Athlete of the Year for the Pac-12 Conference, but um she, you know, uh, Arie McDonald was the star of that team and everything, but, the, you know, and you got Kate Reese and, and there's so many different components that Adia Barnes has done to, to really build her program. And she's such a player's coach and, you know, a little spoiler, we're talking about my series may. I mean, you can read right into it with how I write this stuff. It's it's may is a mother's day theme and Adia. I'm, I'm trying to get her on board for, for a series to, uh, I already got to Cahambi, Um, but, Adia is such a fantastic coach, and so you see the relationship between her and Sam. It's no surprise that Sam announced the next day, I think it was at the football stadium, there was a rally for the women's team that she's coming back for a fifth season. She's such a, a – um, her, her, her IQ of the game, she comes from Centennial High School where Karen White has built a national powerhouse. Like we see with Gorman football, Centennial has really become one of the top five – women's programs in uh, high school basketball programs in America. So the Thomas sisters come from there. Um, Arizona got a prize in Sam Thomas, you know, and and it's, it's think about it, Steve, it's, it's, you know, we continue to say this about Las Vegas athletes. Um, I I just said it about two others, Bryson Stott, Julian Strother, Sam Thomas, fantastic family upbringing and just off the court, a genuine kindness to her, Um, you know, heart of gold. And and work ethic and and uh, she was the glue to me watching that team over the last few years covering the Pac-12 women's tournament for the Associated Press. Um, she was really the glue for that team that sort of bonded all the different stars and 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 scorers and paint presence, whoever it may be. She was the glue that kept everything together. So they got a gem coming back. Ari announced that she's going to the WNBA, but. Um, you know, knowing Adia, she's going to build another power in Arizona. They're going to be fun to watch.
1: will Ramirez with us. Uh, let's get back to your baseball series, and I know you talked to a lot of the uh, the older guys. We'll get to that in a second. But you featured a younger guy who is uh, still working his way up the ladder, right? Who's that? I do. And uh, yeah, what'd Jack, you get? what
3: what did you get from him? Jack Thomas Wold. He, uh, you know, he helped lead Basic to to back to back state championships under Coach Scott Baker. Scott was under uh, plate uh, brought a championship to to a uh, basic high school. Gosh, I can't the, the date escapes me. I want to say it was late eighties, early nineties, which I'm going to have to research for my story. But uh, then he was the coach, and Jack Thomas wold was was the star on that, or one of the stars on that team. They won back to back state championships. Now he's over at UNLV. What was really interesting about Jack was he was a heavy kid, big kid, power hitter. You know, uh, to, in his words, you know, he felt he was a little overweight and. So he took it upon himself during an offseason to shed a lot of weight. I mean, cut down big time. And now he's been shifted to the outfield. And, you know, part of it is, you know, if you're going to get to the next level, you got to shed some weight. You can't carry a lot of body fat. And you want to have lean muscle mass. You want to be able to tr- transition that into, into quality size on your body. And you want to be able to be quick and agile and athletic. And he took it upon himself to do it. I talked to uh, Stan Soltz, coach over at UNLV, and he said, yeah, he was you know, pleasantly surprised to see the work ethic he put in during the offseason. So we're going to touch on that. And the biggest thing I took from the interview outside of that was that Jack's like, you know what, even if I don't go past UNLV, I'm content with, I put everything I could into being that hometown guy that stayed home and played for my hometown college, made it through a pandemic. and. God, he just sounded like a you know a lot of gratitude in, in being able to have the career that he's had.
1: How about some of the older guys you talk to? We've got such a rich baseball history now.
3: Yeah, so the personal story is going to be on the evolution of baseball. Um, just what I've seen growing up um, from my days of hanging around Little League Fields, I never got to play baseball, but I was had friends who played baseball and then watching them. You know, I went to elementary school with probably what some people might say was the greatest high school bat- baseball product prospect that never got to play major league baseball. That was Danny Opperman who went to Valley high school and he had Tommy John He blew his elbow out and he was a, he was a Dodgers prospect and he never got to play went to elementary school with that kid. So, uh, <laughs> you know, and then, and then growing up here and then, and then, and watching other people graduate and, and then becoming a sports reporter and through the years, um, just the different faces that I've seen. So I, I talked to Don Logan. I think that's an, a, a must. You have to talk to Don Logan. That's sort of the godfather here, right, of, of baseball, if you will, because um, he's seen some of the kids growing up. Um, Greg Maddox, got an exclusive interview with him, talked to him early this morning. Um, so he'll be featured in that story. And he touched on both players since he was a volunteer coach that I'm featuring, Jack and Bryson, um, when he was a volunteer coach at UNLV. He knows them both. Um, I spoke to Nick Garitano who you know he grew up here and he played little league here and he played at Chaparral High School and um, played football for UNLV and is now the coach and coach at Green Valley he followed a legendary coach who some might say is one of the greatest high school baseball coach if not the greatest because the the branches are still still out there of his uh, tutelage and that's Roger Fairless and now he's and now Nick Garitano's at TSN I'm hoping that I can reach out to Roger. I know he's been ill and he's just been battling and he's trying to stay strong and courageous. We texted a a little bit last week, so I'm trying to, hopefully I can get him on the phone. Um, But yeah, and it's just gonna, there's no way I've decided, there's no way that I could write an entire column And mention everybody. I I would. I just couldn't do it. And even if I write a two thousand word story, that's a thousand names, and it still wouldn't fill it with scouts and coaches and sponsors and guys who started Legion from the Fred Darling to the Paul Sundice to Izzy Marion, you know, to the Manny Gueras to the scouts to the this to that. You just can't do it. To all the batting facilities, Al Ramirez and Vino Ramirez, who basically brought Tommy Pham in before Tommy Pham was Tommy Pham. So there's so many stories out there. So all I can do is just make mention and 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 throw a disclaimer in this story that I'm not going to be able to mention everybody. And I apologize, but here's who, you know, I mean, long before we knew anything, there was Mike Martin in the Las Vegas baseball Academy, which is way down off Sahara and Decatur behind the Las Vegas boys and girls club in this little rinky dink facility, but they built players up. So, I mean, playing fall ball on Potosi park, which was, which li- literally looked like a sandlot when Chase Maddox and J- my son, Jordan were playing in a fall ball league. I mean, So many stories, Steve, that it goes it it really does stretch far back. When I talked to Greg Maddox and I talked to Nick Garitano, the one thing that I made sure I brought up was, Hey, do you remember when it was just Paradise Valley American, Paradise Valley Little League or National? And then there was a Western, a Red Rock, and a handful of others. There was no Green Valley, there was no Picoli, there was no Spring Valley, no Lone Mountain, no mountain ridge. There was none of that. (laughs) None of that was built. There was you know, there was a handful of there were ten high schools and there was maybe maybe 10 little leagues in town so it's it's really been incredible the explosion so it's more of a tribute on the explosion of it and 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 getting some of the big voices in town to touch on it
1: this sounds awesome, Willie. Tell people again where they can find it. And Willie's been doing this for a while now, his monthly series. And uh, it seems like each one gets better and better. Where can people find it?
3: WGRamirez.com. Um, I'm hoping to publish it Friday. The good thing about having your own site is you really don't have a deadline. So I'm hoping <laughs> to have it perfected and done and ready to launch on Friday. Um I will also have to mention that I got some nice assistance with some photos and some input from our buddy Jimmy Gemma over at uh, the with the Las Vegas aviators so yeah I'll be promoting it on my Twitter at Willie G Ramirez so um I usually have like a four tweet thread that introduces it and then links to each one um, I'll have it all over my social media platforms and everything and, and continue to uh you know to promote it throughout throughout the uh throughout the weekend and next week and enjoy uh enjoy this month's series
1: on twitter at willie g ramirez willie g ramirez willie we appreciate it we'll talk to you soon okay All right, see thanks there you go willie ramirez from the ap you can check out his website at wg com. we're about 20 minutes away from checking in with our college basketball insider and what a day to do so coach joe joe esposito will fill us in on the latest with sean miller going bye-bye from arizona
0: Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. We finally got a piece of the pie. It's Good Times with Mr. Sunshine. Brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profits.
1: You know, is coming up in just a little bit College basketball insider. We'll get into uh, the biggest college basketball story of the day. And that is Sean Miller out at Arizona. We'll also talk to, uh, well, he's not the newest anymore because they've been making hirings uh, left and right. But uh, one of the newest UNLV assistant coaches, uh, Carlin Hartman, is going to join us at 530 today. All right, Von Tolba, we got a, a good time story here with. Embrace debate type shows, sports discussion shows. I thought for the longest time, my maybe my favorite explosion face-to-face in sports radio was you and the, was it the olives on pizza or was it we were just busting your chops so badly, kind of giving you looks during one show that you just exploded on us and you were like,
2: that's enough. Well, that, not today. That, that was because I had messed up on an update, like a pronunciation, like you guys never <laughs> do, and so we had to stop the don't show. Don't pull a Dusty Baker. Uh,
1: I don't want to hear whataboutism. Accountability. You messed up. That's you We made goofy faces at you for like the 500th time, and you snapped. But you got uh, the olive thing with with Adam Hill was epic. I think yeah, like the, the, black the It just got higher and higher and higher. It was it was screaming. But I never thought like, hey, someone's in danger here, and the person who would be in danger would be me because I'm I think uh, for that setup. I was in between you guys, and you're both a lot bigger than me. What is going on with this clip? And I know it's a couple days old. Uh Brandon Marshall, former NFL player, who is a gigantic guy. I don't know if you saw the picture of him about two months ago. He's been working on boxing. And there was a post-workout photo with him and Evander Holyfield. And Holyfield looked like a freaking middleweight. Brandon Marshall's gigantic. And it we're not talking really linebacker Brandon Marshall from here in Cimarron. No. We're talking wide receiver Brandon Marshall, who's built like a tight end now. So he's been doing more sports talk. What was the show, though, that he was on?
2: So it's called I Am Athlete. It's a podcast. Okay. It's, uh, you know, simulcast on all the other streaming sites. YouTube, I think, is primary okay. one. But,
1: but we got video of it, right? Yeah. It's, it's so, on so you, it's you see the images
2: of it. what was the discussion over? So this, this, this discussion is over NBA contracts and, and apparently how they work. And so you'll hear an impassioned Brandon Marshall talk about this to where he's saying and screaming about how NBA contracts, keep in mind, this is what he's saying, are not guaranteed. Oh, no. Are not guaranteed. Here he is.
4: Y'all talking about because y'all talking about the NBA, got, everybody got guaranteed contracts, and it's false. He's uh, doing Searching this shit. And I'm telling you it's the truth. No, they don't. Not everybody that's on the NBA roster, like who ever guaranteed. There's two-way contracts. there's the two-way dogs. contracts, no, and then there's no, the no, top no, dog. There's no, the top dogs. No, it's not. There's four guys on the NBA team that got guaranteed contracts, and everybody else can be cut today and don't got nothing. And don't Look have dime. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Right, Look it up. Yeah. It's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. So, it's not guaranteed. So who has a better structure, the NBA or the NFL? It. Everything y'all saying is what I'm saying. It's now you finally got the Russell Wilsons of the world finally saying something.
1: What is he talking about? Like, at some point, do you hesitate and you're like, okay, maybe I'm
2: wrong? Well, I mean, not if you're that uh, – I mean, if you think that highly of your Jesus. own opinion, then no. The, so, the, and the audio doesn't really do it justice because, one, his face is incredible. Like, there's veins popping yeah. out of his forehead. He's screaming. He there's, stands up. Right. There's a new meme, by the way. That it's just his face all scrunched up, screaming with veins popping out everywhere, and it says what sport you know what sport opinion makes you defend it like oh this? Like it's just ridiculous. But the best Jesus. is Chad Johnson's. Chad Johnson just is just sitting there, and he's just like this, just hands on his his head, like what is happening right now. Because for those who don't know, a majority of you do, but for those who don't. NBA contracts are pretty much all guaranteed. guaranteed. There's like 95%, as, as Jared Dudley put out, 95% of these contracts are guaranteed in the NBA. Uh, maybe some guy will uh, rework a contract so that he's either paid a little bit more in the back end, whatever it was, partial later date, uh, to be either cut or signed by the remainder of the season. It's all guaranteed.
1: Man, good thing everyone stayed calm, <laughs> except for Brandon Marshall, because I think in the room were, as you said, uh, Chad Johnson, Brandon Marshall, Fred Taylor... Mm-hmm. Who I think is a little bit older than all the guys, but you know he's a big dude. And then Channing uh, Crowder, who I th- still think does uh, sports talk radio in Miami, like he's he's a gigantic dude. We get freaking people throwing on each other over a factoid that's just frankly is incorrect. I, I'm like, I think R. Kelly could watch that and be like, dude, stay composed. And we you know we know R.
2: Kelly from his uh, interview where he's just he's flipping out, hitting yeah. his chest. Doesn't it make it easier knowing how wrong he is? to stay calm. Yeah, just to right? laugh like at him. like if you were just screaming at me like that like you right. know like the sky is red today and I just like if you just kept screaming over and over right. again I feel like I'd be able to stay calm a lot easier because I'm just like
4: this, this idiot this
1: is foolish what is he and just sit about? there and go blue
4: blue <laughs> right
2: blue It's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> He's got a
1: because I think does he do? He's he's one of the regulars on uh, First Things First. Is that the name of the I, Nick I Wright show? Pop
2: up on oh, yeah. I'm and I, I know like
1: four months ago he had some crazy explosion there. Like people got to, they've got to talk to him. Executives and, and producers got to talk to him. Like dude, like there's impassioned arguments.
2: But you're you're scary. Oh, I think men do this more. Well, I think I think you do it more. <laughs> Look, we're talking about it. Man. The clips. This clip, by the way, is like two or three days old. I guess. Hey, yeah, you're right.
1: That is a good way to flip things when, when you know, when, uh, by the way, we have some Stephen A. later on. I know you're mad about, and I, I kind of question if it's just a bit. And he's, uh, he's getting us. He's getting us. All right, on the way back, we'll get to some headlines. Like, looks like a bunch of sponsors are starting to halt their work with the Sean Watson. And uh, COVID and hockey certainly ain't done. It's not dead and buried. The Canucks news continues to get worse as more and more members of the organization, including 20-plus players, have tested
0: positive. This has been Good Times with Mr. Sunshine, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com.